Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. first sports boys of 2023 max is not with us uh so so naturally we're gonna we're gonna talk about big scary sports things um a very metaphysical sports discussion too that that ventures into there's been a lot of um to, to kind of steal the intro a little bit, there's been a lot of discussion recently because NASA did their, what are our priorities over the next really hundred years is what they're, they're talking about. And ultimately anytime NASA comes up and stuff, there's there, I'm, I'm met in the face with like what time means. And, and like uh, on defector yesterday, something was written about how, like even if we can tell that there are there is alien life on an exoplanet, us being able to communicate that with them will take millennia, if if not millions of years. Even if we both have radio signals, we will never know how it works out. Like us living now, so I think it's really nice that one we're talking about sports because that is much more comforting. And while we are still talking about time. We are talking about time in a way that is much more reasonable to me, and I can get angry about it, and maybe there's a solution. Yeah, so the the phenomenon that kind of spurred us to talk about this is that uh, Pierce and I are both reasonably avid Premier League soccer watchers, mm-hmm. and I, we are also both fans of like kind of prominent big name clubs <laughs> what used to be big name not big Good. results yes fair um the indiana of, of oh uh, oh something uh, places that won things more recently so like north carolina fall you know fallen powers yeah um and so inevitably there, there's a thing that will happen, uh, you know, uh, when a, a smaller team is playing against a bigger team. Um, sometimes it happens when they take a surprising lead, but more and more, it started to creep earlier and earlier into the game to a point where it's happening even when it's still in the game's initial 0-0 tie state. And that is... These teams will just take the air out of the ball like it's Dean Smith running the four corners in 1981. They will, you know, just kind of ping it around the back in the, in defense. Uh, anytime the goalkeeper collects the ball uh, 
he will literally fall down on it uh with no one having come anywhere close to uh contact with him that might make him fall down uh players who are uh, going to throw the ball in uh professional athletes paid many tens or even hundreds of thousands of uh british pounds per week to play this game will suddenly forget how to hold the ball and it will slip out of their hands seven times in a row um they'll set the ball up all nice really look at it and then walk away and someone behind them will kick it instead right the whole yeah it's it is infuriating and and it's uh, just someone who doesn't know soccer the defense can't really do much to no it's it's usually like dead ball situations, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. But what is important in these situations is what? There is no such thing as a dead ball situation. Yes, because the clock is always running. The ball cannot really be played by the other the opposing players, but the clock is running the whole time. This is infuriating. <laughs> But I think what and and we we don't like it, and I think we'll get into it. But but Kevin, you also are, and I think there's something really important here compared to what you noted with with basketball is is a focal point of it. Um, I think baseball does it too. But there is a different type of uh, time wasting that you will that you think is really um, prevalent and invasive and terrible. Yeah. Well, so I'm your World Cup bro who just tunes in for the u.s matches and when i watch it the thing that i just love is i i love most of the running clock i don't like the whole like no one knows when the final whistle is going to be blown but like i like the i like the running clock i like how it's the ball's out of bounds and then you just inbound it and you keep playing um if there's a foul it's just like real quick like here's your yellow card like you know kick the ball in um so you know i haven't noticed super egregious versions of what you guys are, are talking about but in in basketball or the nba particularly the thing that the time wasting comes on in dead ball situations where the the coaches and the players will just extend the dead ball longer than it needs to like a guy goes in for a layup gets fouled uh, it's an and one situation he you know lies on the floor for five minutes which you know sometimes they get hit pretty hard but then he goes to the line and then one team subs a guy in and then another team subs a different guy in and then they kind of like switch around in the box and then the guy makes the free throw 88 percent of the time and then you know two minutes later we have resumed play and also during that time, the players are um, bitching to the refs about, you know, every single call that happens in an NBA game. So I think that it just, we do this whole charade and this whole like routine for something that in the NBA doesn't really matter. It slows the game down to a halt when it's a game where the rules have been like basketball used to have the problem of the wasting time with the four corners mm-hmm. and they said this is boring we put a shot clock in we like they want the game to be you know fun and fast and the nba is it is very fast except for when it crosses to a halt when it doesn't really need to i i think that there is a so there is a fairness to that in that both teams in the situations you're describing are i think more or less doing it to to one another and 
it happens it you i think you get more anxious in like close games or games that you are frustrated about because you're like hey i want to see the action this is entertaining so i think what is important in that versus what sean and i described um is that it's the inconvenience is on in your thing is on the consumer you are watching for entertainment they're screwing around yeah. and, and being very annoying what we're talking about is like it is it is annoying from a consumer perspective absolutely jordan pickford like i have wasted so much of my life watching you not play soccer but the more important thing is the other players are being inconvenienced because of this not sport they are not able to do their jobs and that has to be so yeah. so irritating well one thing i, I will just counter with this i do think that a lot of players are using these situations as a breather Mm -hmm. and like joel Embiid and Giannis are the two that come to mind like they're incredible athletes they're asked to do a ton they do a ton but they take forever to shoot their foul shots because they are trying Mm -hmm. to get a breather and i think that's another like great thing about soccer is that you know the ball's away from you a lot in soccer so you can get some chance to get breathers but like, I think it's just against the spirit of using a free throw to get a breather. And that's why I kind of want them to get rid of it. And then, you know, you got to yeah, be like, it will kind of sort itself out. I can, I can see that. Like the, yeah, the, the big difference is that even on top of like the, whatever little edge you get by letting Giannis get, you know, a 10 second blow before he shoots the foul shots. Like this, this soccer thing in particular is like it's a point where uh, the the way I think the way that I described it when I was texting y'all earlier is like it's the point where gamesmanship curdles into fuckery yeah and and it's it's an active breaking of the game because the way you know on the off chance that you know we're we're sending this out to the ears of people who who have never taken in a soccer game before the way that the timing works is that the clock doesn't stop when the ball goes out of bounds or or when there are substitutions it keeps running the whole time and the the referee the onus is on the referee to sort of keep a tally of roughly how much time has been used on these stoppages and then there actually is a, a sort of arbitrary amount of time tacked on to the end of the half based on the it's supposed to be based on the amount of time that the play would have been stopped if you actually stopped the clock for stuff but it it never actually is and no. so these teams that are are taking the air out of the ball in soccer are like they are actively breaking the game by uh, it, they're doing what the uh, the Legion of Boom Seahawks used to do. They pass interfered on every single play and dared the rest to call it. And that's the kind of stuff that I that I really can't stand. Yeah. And and also I think that um there so so baseball is like the weird outlier here that's that's hard to say because baseball has no conception of time. They just have the they have innings, that is how they measure time, but they are not actually time bound in any ways. Mm-hmm. It's just there are these control gates that decide when you can move on or when something changes, you know, with outs. Um 
The honestly, the closest equivalent I can think of, well, there are two. So in basketball, well, I will start with football. So in football, football is a different level of time being irrelevant because this this statistic comes out the day after the Super Bowl every year. This Super Bowl had the least active time of any ever. Most football games, the actual active time is around 10 to 15 minutes where people are moving plays are going on there is incredible amounts of time wasting in football but we all say oh well they're calling the play and the defense is making adjustments everything a lot of these teams their first 20 plays are scripted like this is garbage like it like it's garbage they can they can plan ahead they can make adjustments but like there's plenty of time wasting the one that i think is more equivalent to what sean and i are irritated about is actually something ja morant is doing legally and is fascinating but it's absolutely infuriating if you are the opposing really consumer and the team's coaches, um, which is called walking the dog. I think up until maybe even during the end of the game, if you inbound the ball and it's on the ground and no one touches it, the, the game clock runs, but the shot clock does not. So a week or so ago, um, the... The opposing team made a shot. The Grizzlies were inbounding the ball. They inbound the ball to John Morant. He does not touch the ball for 30 seconds. So 30 seconds go off the game clock. The shot clock has still not started. Finally, the coaches of the opposing team say, hey, go after him so he has to pick up the ball. The game is running. Completely legal, but absolutely infuriating. This, okay, I'm going to interrupt with a dumb question because it, it mm -hmm. would seem that there is an obvious mechanism to stop this, which is there's a fucking amount of time that you have to cross half court in. It doesn't start until someone touches the ball. There well, is, that's, but, well, that's just stupid. But, but even so with basketball, it's, like, it's a small court and the guys are large. Like the, if the defense really wants to, they can go tell John Moran to go pick up the ball. Like the, yes. problem, the soccer thing is that the field is so massive. that And and so that is that is a different one because with soccer, there is nothing you can do about, about like when someone has a free kick and they're allegedly lining it up except for the ref to give a re uh, yellow card. What John Moran did is legal and the defense, the opposing team – is saying, well, we concede to this, we're fools, or we don't really care. Uh, in this case, I believe they did care, but then just acted really late, and some coach had to be like, no, go get him. Um, but so I think that that's, that's different, um, because you have a mechanism to stop it. Um, in soccer, you really don't save committing a foul. Yeah, I mean that one. That's interesting because there's just there seems like a super easy fix, which is just like we said you have eight seconds to cross half court. That means eight seconds. Yeah. Um, and, the, and and football also does have the the rash, and I think it's gotten worse because because certain teams, especially in college, there is this um, movement of playing really really fast on offense. Um, you do have defensive players fake injuries fake injuries to slow it down yes but it's the same concept it's like to our benefit we need to slow down the game but that i think is that is done you know it is done to win in some ways but it still feels in bad faith oh it's definitely in bad faith i mean it, that's it's done 
and the like the point of demarcation there is and and I think why I push back on on Kevin's three free throw example so much is that like all these other things are being done like specifically to disadvantage your opponent in a way that like getting Joel Embiid a little bit of rest like yeah it it is a disadvantage to your opponent in the sense that any advantage to Joel Embiid is also like secondhand it is a disadvantage to the opponent but like it's a little more of a bank shot to me um and and, and like I feel like in some ways that that one is just like just have the refs enforce the the rules that exist to govern like the pace of play yeah. you know cuz they're there they exist they they have them and and if you know tony brothers isn't willing to to use them then maybe he's just a coward sorry tony brothers i didn't mean to do you like that <laughs> yeah i um i don't know if you guys think that uh or backing up I, one thought i had is that they should just kind of possibly do things differently in the regular season particularly the particularly the nba um because so much is just going to get washed out in the statistics over half the teams make the playoffs like if you want to use the traditional rules in the playoffs and you know take a while that's fine with me but when we've got an 82 game season why do we need to have everyone like line up under the basket for the 0.01 chance percent chance that there's going to be an offensive rebound on the play like just have the guy shoot one foul shot and it, it counts for it. And then, yeah, go back to the way you, we've been doing it in the, in the playoffs and just uh, worry more about the spirit of the game or the entertainment value. Uh, and, you know, with baseball, like I am so for a pitch clock. If you want to make a postseason game, take five hours, you know, more power to you. Uh, but it, I think that there should be more, you know more i don't think that you need to have the same play style in the regular season in the playoffs when there are so many games like in football and every game matters more i I could be convinced otherwise see i think uh, i actually like the idea i just think i'm i'm pretty hard in the camp of like the only difference that i'm willing to brook between regular season and playoffs is like i am willing to accept regular season ties and obviously you can't have playoff ties because it breaks the whole concept of how playoffs work. But like mm-hmm. any other thing about the game mechanism, I think if you're changing in the regular season, you just make the change, do it all around. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say that, that what I challenge is that even if there aren't rules, generally things are refereed different anyway. So just pretending that it's the same game that I don't, I don't know. It's not, it's a different game. I, I, counterpoint maybe that's also a problem yeah i think so with that with kind of tweaking the rules or the way that they are interpreted um that's taking people that are other than the players and being like hey we're we're giving you a different responsibility be it all around pitch clock through the whole season and and including the playoffs or or just for playoffs whatever it is um this it's a dangerous thing to say given given uh, uh discussions over the last three years about personal responsibility and and the problems therein but i think part of it is is even if you put in a pitch clock um or 
whatever the equivalent in other sports would be. Um, some someone's always trying to get an, get an edge. Um, that's always been true in sports, but it feels more so now. Um, that is the whole idea of hedge funds is is getting getting an edge, which is driving so much of our economy and our world. Um, so what what I want is I you know part of it is I just want the players not to be jerks. I, I want them to be out there and and to be playing and and going at playing the game in good faith. And I also recognize in saying that that that's really stupid. So we do have to have these parameters. It makes me sad that we have to have them because like when I go and play basketball. I just want to play basketball, but I'm not a professional. My knees aren't falling apart. And I don't, if I want to breathe there, I can just, (laughs) um, no, but, uh, if, if, if I want to breathe there, I can just say, Hey, I want to breathe there. It's fine. Um, so, so that's part of it is when you are watching as a consumer and you're like, that is stupid. There are so many variables that like, we are just, just not, just not part of. Like, I don't know how many different, well, I'd imagine that there are 18 different people that go into Georgia calling one offensive play because I think that they are, the football team is probably the biggest employer in the state of Georgia. It has to be. I mean, they have thousands of employees on the sidelines. Um, so I, while I want them to be in good faith, while I don't want to, you know, have all these extra rules, I, I just there's a lot going on there and you know tony brothers I, you know you're in charge i guess yeah is did the soccer thing like did something change because with basketball i think what happened was with a, a lot of the new rules with the freedom of movement there is less downtime like there's so many fast breaks people aren't really taking breaths of the uh, breathers so they're kind of needing more out of the the foul shots they're penalizing the 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 take foul to which i i've been watching some games this week and i think that that there needs to be a course correction on that because i saw some things where um someone like i think it was russell westbrook actually like he very clearly tried to steal the ball after turning her over like immediately tried to steal it back um and even got a piece of the ball and they're like that's a take foul because of the the course of play and so they are, they are, sometimes you make these rules in an effort to stop this thing, um, which was giving people breathers. But now it's like, all right, well, you're taking out of certain defense in the game, which, which can, which can work. So, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard needle to thread. Yeah. Well, they're, that's new. So they're working on it. But I mean, I was, I was wondering if soccer had any, is there a reason that teams are doing this stuff now? I, I'm going to... I'm going to make I'm going to make a slightly tongue-in-cheek hypothesis, um, and and say that it has something to do with uh, the increasingly widespread American ownership in the game. Hmm. Um, and and I'm I'm being tongue-in-cheek, but I'm also being serious. And the what I mean by that is. Soccer has one thing that all of these other sports don't have, and they have a penalty for losing that is much worse than being eliminated from the NBA playoffs or even not making the MLB playoffs. The worst three teams in the league get booted down to a whole different ass league, and that 
has absolutely staggering financial implications for these clubs. And so the one when one of the things that has been like a real bone of contention uh in the last couple of years with things like the proposal of the European Super League uh and these these other sort of uh, kind of breakaway things that would group all of the big famous teams the Liverpools and the Chelsea's and the Manchester United's and the Real Madrid's of the world together and leave these smaller clubs behind is you know that a lot of the clubs that were involved in those proposals have American owners who are seeking more of a closed system kind of like you know the NBA the NFL where the teams are the same every year because that protects their investment and so like I really do I don't think it's the kind of thing where like you know the the owner of AFC Bournemouth is calling down to the sideline like you know like a call coming to the bullpen and saying you know it's time like start taking the air out of the ball but i do think that at least to some extent it's like an outgrowth of uh, a new sort of organizational priority on making money and being a profitable asset yeah and that that speaks to um what what is the american model that is coming in it's that it used to be someone like george steinbrenner he bought the yankees for seven dollars because he really liked baseball not because he wanted to make money off of the team it's because this was a thing that you showed hey i've got this i've got this the football team or their soccer team come see how fun it is and now you've got things like um you know the carlos correa mess where the giants did not sign him the mets did not sign him after both saying they signed him and he goes back to the twins on a six-year deal which per year is worth more money why is that because six years is as far as the actuaries will ensure the plate that was implanted in his ankle when he broke it way back in. David Roth at Defector wrote about this. That's that's what happened. These are these are now things about money making and and how much how much money can I make off my team? Cincinnati Reds, I'm looking at looking at you. And it causes these decisions to be made, which are coming back to what we said, it is not from the top, you are having things that are not made in good faith of players playing the game it is i mean it's really about us the consumer so if we complain enough about how long it's taking you know between free throws um you will end up with things like a pitch clock why do you think rob manfred did that why do you think rob manfred did that because they're getting fewer and fewer eyes we won't but i'm well with um, like with with batters when they're getting their contracts the batting averages come up and so yeah whatever if the batter thinks that taking an extra three minutes every time he goes to the plate you know if it's going to make him more money it makes him more money because we keep watching i guess or i don't know we don't watch baseball but they somehow keep making more money but those gloves those gloves aren't going to velcro themselves except you just velcroed them 15 seconds ago 
Yeah, I I feel like this is on me. I I I made it. I made it another. It's all about capitalism episode. <laughs> My bad. It's, it's 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 fine. I don't I don't know that well, why it's gotten worse, but it is a worthwhile. I mean these these things point. are all money making entertainment products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I just watched a I just watched a tifo football video the other day about Liverpool's uh the new way that they do their uh jersey deals so that they make less upfront money but they make more money off of um like per jersey sold with nike as compared to new balance and you know what comes from that it's like oh well we should make splashy signings because then there will be jerseys bought and we make it from jersey one as opposed to jersey five hundred thousand. but yeah you also get stuff like they're they're releasing a uh, a LeBron inspired jersey. Like I don't think they're ever gonna play in it, but like you know, it it gets into the churning out like the NBA sort of city edition craze and like churning out new additional jerseys all the time because it's one more thing we can talk you into buying. Yeah. I will say that one of the bigger joys in basketball are when the arenas have the second half or fourth quarter. If the player misses two foul shots, everyone gets free, whatever. And the crowd just absolutely lose their mind. So <laughs> we perhaps lose that if uh, they were to make a rule change. So. And if we lose that, is it even worth it? <laughs> no. uh, all right. On that note, let's uh, let's wrap up and move on to Pierce's Sorry. What are you apologizing for today? Um, so in in my life, and I think I think this is probably good advice. When when someone says to you something like, "Hey, you know, do do you want to play me in ping pong?" or this not as much, but like, "You want to play me in pool?" If someone suggests that to you, it's because they're going to beat you and they're going to try to make money off of you. <laughs> in a, in a similar thing. When people are just in this in this uh, era, when people are discussing true crime, uh, and and they're kind of being nonchalant but discussing discussing true crime things, be it shows or books they've read, and you are not as up on it, even if you think you have a fact, do not bring that fact up. Um, case in point, um, some weeks ago we had some people over at our house. There was like a true crimey discussion going on. Um, and I had just listened to a, a stuff you should know podcast on the Phantom of Helbron, which is a which is a very interesting story that has to do with um, DNA retrieval practices and how they've advanced over time and everything. But I brought up this podcast, being like, "Oh well, did you know?" The result reminded me a lot of this is I think the first of the year, so you'll allow me. Um, there's a Mad Men episode in which they are uh, trying to figure out how to uh, advertise aerosol um, deodorant, um, and someone cites it, and uh, Ken cites it, and they're like, we all read the research. Don't cite the research. We all already read it, basically. Um, and that is what happened to me when I cited this podcast, and I felt like a complete jerk and I was like, oh, okay, I guess you all had listened to that and knew about this story. My apologies. And, you know, just went back into the corner of my, just, just left my own home, just in my mind, left my own home because realized <laughs> I was, I was the, 
the the fly and the punch. Um, so you know, know your personnel and uh, get out of the way uh, when true crime comes up. If you're not a real real true crime head. All right. Yes, that is very good advice. Uh, okay. Uh, big idea for pop culture. Tell me, stop me. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a, a few things and, and stop me if you recognize what I am talking about. Triple twenty. Triple twenty. Triple twenty. Uh, this triple is, twenty. Uh... Triple twenty. Triple twenty. Triple twenty. Triple nineteen. Darts. Yes. I'm talking the word for a while, but I do this newest darts. 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 Uh, darts are are played professionally as a sport in other countries, particularly in the UK. Uh, and the crowning achievement in darts, uh, not unlike throwing a perfect game in baseball, bowling a three hundred. Um, I suppose shooting several hole, holes in a one in ro- in a row um, is the nine darter. The way darts works is you are attempting to subtract down from a starting point of 501. You have to go out on exactly 501 points and you have to, your last dart throw has to be a double or I believe a bullseye is acceptable as well. So, the clearest path to a nine dart leg is on your first turn, you throw three triple 20s. On your second turn, you throw three triple 20s. On your third turn, triple 20, triple 19, double 12. There was a darts, uh, a, a darts match, um, fairly recently between uh, two of the best darts players in the world. Uh, this fellow named Michael Van Gerwen, who looks kind of like what Shrek would look like if he were a person. Yeah. Um, he is a, a big hulking bald Dutch man who wears a very Shrek colored green shirt uh, and a, a British bloke named Michael Smith. And uh, there, the end payoff to this is that uh, ESPN Daily today did an interview with uh, a, a guy named uh, Wayne Martle, who is the voice of darts in the UK. He was a a very highly ranked darts player himself for a long time and now is like the commentator uh, for televised darts. Televised darts is a thing. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen on TV. <laughs> um, in this match, there was one leg. So what, like one game, kind of like a, you know, a game or set in tennis um, where through two turns, Van Gerwen and Michael Smith were both alive for nine dart throws and they're like there hasn't been one in a world darts championship match since 2012 i learned from the podcast 
uh, and Van Gerwen is going first. He comes into his third turn, hits the triple 20, hits the triple 19, just barely misses the double 12. Michael Smith steps up, cool as ice, smokes it for a nine dart, uh, a nine dart mm-hmm. leg. Crowd's going wild. Wayne Martle is on the broadcast yelling about how he can't even speak. And it just, it was fascinating. Like I, I got exposed to televised darts for the first time on a family trip to London in like, it was like sort of between Christmas and New Year's as 2013 became 2014. Um, we have a family friend who moved there a long time ago and has been there for probably 30 years now. Um, and, and so it was just, it was nice to get kind of reacquainted uh, with the game and, but also to hear about it, you know, Pablo Torre is the host of ESPN daily and he is kind of the perfect foil for this. He's like, a, a you know, he's asking a lot of questions cause he doesn't really understand the sport, but he's very enthusiastic about it. He knows he's seen something incredible. Uh, so we'll put a link to that in the in the yeah. show notes, the ESPN it Daily It takes episode. off two minutes to, to well, the if you oh, watch yeah. the actual coverage, it takes about two minutes. Yeah. It's very fast. Yeah. Um, so, yes, highly, highly recommend for, for the sports fans out there uh, that you hear Pablo Torre and Wayne Martle talk about darts. Uh, all right. Uh so obviously Max out and he is the trivia master, uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't still do trivia. That's uh, correct. Kevin has chosen a sports question. Uh, and so Max has, has sent us po- uh, potential questions uh, with links to the answer so that, that we didn't uh, we didn't, kind of spoil it for ourselves uh i inadvertently spoiled the first question for myself anyway uh so so let's let's go ahead with uh his bonus question uh this weekend when the dolphins take on the bills in the nfl playoffs they will be quarterbacked not by tua tungavailoa or teddy bridgewater but by a fellow by the name of Skylar Thompson, who we would have learned via the original trivia question, uh, played his college football at Kansas State. Skylar Thompson has the second most career passing yards and touchdowns in K-State history. Who is the all-time leader in both of those categories. Um, Brad Johnson. <laughs> Mine is Josh Freeman. Uh, my guess is Colin Klein. Heisman finalist Colin Klein. Oh, that's the uh, guy I was thinking of. Jason White won a Heisman. It, Heisman's stupid. Good point, uh, because Josh Freeman is the correct answer. Oh. Yes! Yes, drafted by the Bucks, I believe. Yeah. He did not save the franchise. No. Brad Johnson, though. Brad Johnson, though. He He's a, a Super Bowl winner with the Bucks. Can't even think of a K-State quarterback, so. <laughs> Where did Brad Johnson play in college? Probably <laughs> uh, Florida. Oh, I think he's a Florida man. <laughs> Don't know where, but he seems a uh, Florida, Florida man. State. 
Because when you think of the Knowles, you think of Brad Johnson. All right. Uh, cool. Well, that's the end of the show. Uh, you can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. It looks all fresh and new. Uh, you're welcome for that. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast on your device and podcast app of choice. If you do that, tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Bye. I can't keep